It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, August 17th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited to dig into the year that was and the year that will be for Travis Konechny. Interesting. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and happy Wednesday. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. You can ask us mailbag questions, some of which we are getting to today. Along with that, we are going to do a deep dive into Travis Konechny, look at where he wound up this season and what our expectations are for him going into this upcoming season. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're also over on YouTube, so check us out there as well. Russ, uh, Travis Konechny had a, a really interesting season this past year. I think that in some ways... He did not meet expectations, but I think in other ways, in some surprising ways, he did. And uh, if we recall, he was drafted in 2015. He was our second first round pick that we took that year. So uh, Konechny was picked 24th overall, and he's currently on or will be on year four of a six year deal with a $5.5 million cap hit. So what are your overall impressions of where Travis Konechny is right now, Russ? Yeah, it's interesting because I I went back and looked at um, some of my scouting on him when pre-draft when he was with the 67s. And some of the things he does now, he he still um, goes wide, which I like. I like when guys go wide, they create extra ice for themselves. He doesn't really cut through the crease as much as he used to. That's an area that he used to be able to score at. And that's something where I think he's sort of cut down on maybe because he's, you know, been clobbered more than a few times, but still uh, it's something where there's points there for him. If he wants them, I, I think the stick works just about as good as it used to be. And the, the part of his game that is always going to be the worry is like his play away from the puck and also uh, when to sort of rev himself up and take a penalty for the positive rather than taking a bad penalty and having it hurt the team like that. He used to be very good at that when he was sort of straddling that. I don't think he's good at it anymore. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway from this past season, like if there's one thing that I remember, it's that scoring drought, right? It was over two months Um, at the time he was still getting regular assists on goals, but it just felt like this giant thing hanging over his head that he hadn't scored a goal. And then when he finally did, you know, it didn't come back right away in terms of continued scoring, but he did enough to, you know, I don't know like how you frame this, but he did have the most points on the team for the season 
overall, but it's the most points on a bad team. So that's yeah, I, I also frame it where I, I think Mike Yo at some point just is like, go out there and do whatever you can. I don't think he put many constraints on him, and and you know, sure enough, he started to pick up the scoring, but he ended up being like a minus twenty three also. Right. So I, he also had the most time on ice per game of his career. And I think that had a lot to do with the injuries on the Flyers that he just kind of naturally yes. got more ice time because of that. But I also think he took advantage of it to some degree. He did take a lot of shots, but he had the lowest shooting percentage of his career. So there was like a lot of real of good with the bad for Konechny this past There was. Year. There was. There were definitely times where... We thought the goal scoring, you know, late later in the year was coming back. And, and and maybe it is to some degree. I don't know. Those the three 24 goal years, they just seem like they're a while away. Like they it's not that long ago, but you know, it's it, it makes a difference. If he is a 50 point guy, but he's only got 16 goals, he's not worth as much to the Flyers. It's not this, you know, you need him for goals, like. They originally drafted him to score goals. That's that's what he's going supposed to be is a goal scoring winger. And it's nice if he could make it up on some assists, but that's just because of opportunity too. He is a decent playmaker. Don't get me wrong, but right. he does need to score goals. This is a team that was desperate for goals last year, especially. Yeah, and especially during that scoring drought where he was getting the assists. You know, he's a guy that still continues to create rebounds. Yes. Because he takes high danger chances like that's something he's really good at, actually, still to this day is picking his shot. Now, I think it got into his head a little bit during the scoring drought, which led to some of those rebounds. Right. Because they were good shots. They just didn't go. You know, he had like 80 hits last year, which was a decent number for him. Is it going to rise under torts? Is he going to put pressure on it to rise? It might. I, I think torts is going to see that he has a fire in him. And the only problem is, like last year during that drought, that fire was just put out. It was extinguished. It came back a little bit. But like I said, the fire, when it works, sort of, you know, fires him up and he comes down the end of the ice after something happens and gets a goal. Uh, that doesn't happen as frequently, but maybe, you know, Torts could bring it out of him. I, I looked at some, you know, other players that were from other teams and how they performed other under torts. And, you know, I think when they were guys that would get 20 something goals, they would come back and score like, you know, 17 goals. I, they wouldn't get back to the 20 because I think also of the burden of being able to play away from the puck. I think that is going to take away from them. So if I'm, I'm looking, you know, at him for this upcoming season, I, I really think we're looking at about 45 points, you know, and if he can get 20 goals of that 45 points, I probably accept it. Is he still underperforming for what his salary is? Maybe. Yeah. Well, we'll get to more about the season upcoming in the next segment, but I, I do want to like get a fuller picture of, of where he is now in terms of mm -hmm. the trends. And I think that the thing with Travis Konechny and you mentioned his fire, that I think he is very attuned to what's going on with the rest of the team. That as the Flyers go, so does Travis Konechny. He's not a guy that can kind of break out of whatever kind of 
playing is happening with everybody around him and that um, he was playing really, really well leading up to the pause before COVID. And then kind of much like the rest of the team kind of didn't really get it together as much afterwards. Um, His scoring rate is declining, uh, even though he did take more shots this past year than, than previous years. Um, he still has, because he does have really good shot selection, the highest expected goals per 60 of his career was this past year. Yeah, the thing that I look at with him is, you know, you have a developing center, let's say Morgan Frost, right? You would think that would be a good matchup where Konechny could sort of bring along Frost, but Konechny still needs bringing along. Like, that's that's where we're at. and. This would be a really good year if you could put like Connecty with Frost or Tippett and really kind of let him show him the veteran way. But I don't think he's there. He may have been there two, three years ago when, you know, he was playing at a higher level. I don't think he's there now. So now to me, it's sort of like a burden on the team to find that guy to sort of fire him up to get him more goals. And it's like, there's only so, you know, that's the one thing this team is still lacking is they're lacking playmakers. They, you know, they, they wanted to get Cam Atkinson in here because he's a goal scorer. That's great. You lost Jake Voracek, who was a playmaker. You lost Claude Giroux, who's a playmaker. Like they are lacking true playmakers now. Yeah. I still think that goes back to where the team is collectively for Konechny, because I just really think everybody, like, especially after Giroux was traded, I think everybody was just sort of in a funk for the rest of the season. Okay. And there really wasn't much spark overall. And I think Konechny really kind of fell victim to that in a lot of ways. As well, who do you of... think will in that lineup can spark Konechny? That's the question. Well, I just, I think that a, a new season with a new coach will do some of that. And I think that having at least a couple of the younger kids around um, with him being, you know, I think he is in that transition phase of becoming more of a mentor and more of a leader than he has had to be in the past. I think he was really riding on being the young guy and the quick guy on his line. And that's how he played in his first few years. And this past year just kind of, I think, broke everybody's role a lot to some degree with him, especially. Yeah. See, like I could see if Joel Farabee's a little bit limited and can't get near the net or doesn't want to, because, you know, he's still recovering. Maybe he's a guy that, you know, can feed connect mm-hmm. me a little bit because, you know, his game will have to change a little bit, but that's, that's my only worry. You're right in what you said. But to me, just getting a new coach doesn't mean he's automatically going to go back to what he was. I don't know, you know, I don't know what his offseason program will be like or what it was like. Did I feel like it was good the year before? No, I didn't. I didn't think he came in in great condition. Again, I think he has a young child. I'm sure even Giroux came in a little spongy one year when he first had his kid. I, I remember that. Uh, but he did sort of quickly work himself into shape. I'm not sure Konechny did. Well, we're going to continue to talk about Travis Konechny and our expectations for this upcoming season next. But first, we have an important message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. 
a few becomes too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out you think of calling for a ride nah you live nearby you can make it home okay it's no big deal what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway and even so what's the worst that could happen your insurance goes up you lose your license you lose your job you total your car you kill someone everyone knows what the risks of drunk driving are the results are tragic and often deadly however that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save our lives so if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks think again play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride it only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever drive sober or get pulled over Continuing our conversation about Travis Konechny, you talked a little bit about John Tortorella and what effect he could have mm -hmm. on Travis Konechny. And, you know, I think it will have an effect. Will it get him up to the scoring level that he was before? I don't think so, but I think it will add to the discipline. And I think that it's going to take a while overall for everybody to adjust to Tortorella's system and style. But I think with Travis Konechny specifically, it's going to be a, a tough moment for him where in order to get those top line minutes, he's going to have to be more disciplined. Yeah, he's going to have to be more disciplined. He's going to have to play better away from the puck. He could take some penalties. Torts doesn't mind if he takes good penalties, if he's sort of like just roughhousing it a little bit in a game where there's maybe no score or a game that they're ahead, um, but they're ahead by two or three. There are some times where, you know, Torts will allow some of this, but that's the thing. He's going to have to figure out what his coach wants and when he wants it. And then, like you said, he's not going to be handed an automatic top line position anymore. Like he could find himself on the third line. And that's where I worry if, all of a sudden, you know, the defense away from the puck isn't that good and Torch drops him down, uh, then what? Then is, is he going to battle back or is he going to settle into, you know, that 15, 16 goal guy? I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it happen both ways. I don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, I think it really is an open question. And it's pretty clear that Cam Atkinson is that second line guy. So there really isn't yes. space between that first line and third line <laughs> if as a role for Travis Konechny. So if he wants those top line minutes, he really is going to have to put in the extra work and earn it with Tortorella. Um, as far as the penalty situation goes, I think he, you know, he can be really smart about it. Like you said, in terms of taking the right penalties, he's a feisty guy. He likes to trash talk. We all know and love that about him. At least I do, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's, I, it's a, it's a redeeming thing. Yeah. And, and when you, when done right, uh, the, what he's supposed to do is sort of play the Brad Marchand role a little bit and, get more penalties for your team than you're giving up this way you can get power plays out of it. Right. And he did that this past season, he drew 31 penalties and took 24. So probably want to lower that 24 a little bit, but yeah. a drawing 31 penalties, I think is pretty solid for a guy like Konechny. No, that's, that's pretty solid. I'm, I'm also um, looking up some additional stats uh, I'm looking on Instat right now, but the 31 is a good number. The um, 
the other thing that I'm looking at now is some of the other nitty gritty, such as, uh, so yeah, his penalty time is up. His penalty time against is up. So both went up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also his shots on goal, about 57%. It's okay. It could be a little higher. Some guys are in the sixties. You know, if you want to be a top liner, you probably should be in the sixties. You know, his face-offs were meh. 45% 45% when he, he doesn't took take a ton of them though. No, he doesn't take a ton of them. Uh, his puck battles won 44%. You know, his hits, even though I said he did 80, they were down his hits against, uh, were right around, uh, where they've been before. So he's traded some, he's, you know, he's traded some areas for other areas, but he definitely was a mixed bag. Yeah. And that's where we started off with, with him, right? That, it seems like just at first thought he did not have a good season, but there were some selected elements of his season this past year that were good. And it either stayed at the level he had been at or even improved a little bit. And that's where I think the expectations for him going into this season go up a little bit. Well, here's the shot map. This is what really tells the story for me. And what I was talking about with my initial like scouting, uh, if he was near the net, he was 85.7%, but it was only seven times, six to seven times. So it's not mm-hmm. a lot of times. Interesting. Uh, if, if he was up the gut, it was 64.3%, nine out of 14 times, because he doesn't have the best one-timer and his wrist shot's okay. He's got to be sort of in front of the, near the net, cutting through or on the sides. On both sides, he was good, uh, 71.4, 75%. The problem is he took most of his shots from the middle. Mm-hmm. And he's not a guy that could, that should shoot from the middle. No, he should be doing that skating wide thing that we talked yeah. about in his scouting report and take those angled shots yeah. and they either go in or create rebounds, which again, yeah. he continued to create rebounds this past season. So uh, I think that that's really where his bread and butter lies and that he should be aiming to do more of that. And hopefully they create a system for him to be able to have those kinds of opportunities. And he's not just a trailer. Right. Right. That's the whole thing is they, they should be looking at previous years for him. They should be doing this for everybody. Torch should be doing this with the analytics department for everybody and seeing what they used to be pre-Mike Yo and maybe the first year of Vigneault. Now, Torts would probably bristle at that because he'd be like, well, I run it differently than Vigneault. I could just imagine what he would say. But he's going to have to be open to that because that's when they were best offensively the last mm-hmm. time. You know, since yep. then, they haven't been as good. So you have to sort of look at that because you have a fair amount of these guys, and that's what I would do to try and get back what they had. Yeah, and I, I do think a good goal for him for this upcoming season is like 20 goals, 35 to 40 assists. I think that's where he needs to be to at least meet expectations. And he doesn't have to tell us 20 because if he says to us 20, you know, he'll, some people will write, Hey, that's not great. I wouldn't do that. But because he said 24, you know, they'll be like, well, why aren't you shooting for 30? You know, but I think 30 is unrealistic. I think 20 is a, is a good goal. Like, I think you're right. I think, after that, it's gravy. If you happen to get 20, you know, and it, you got a quarter of the season left, great. You know, then you've overcome what you did last year in that slump, and you've managed to probably play a better team game than you did last year. 
Yeah, I just, I honestly don't know which way this is going to go between those top line minutes and third line minutes. I think if he gets dropped to the third line, that goal becomes a lot less realistic for him. Yeah, I think if that happens, uh, then I think the likelihood of him getting traded around the deadline increases. I think this is his chance to sort of keep his job, but there's a very good chance he could lose his job too. Yeah, it's a fine line, right? Because if he's doing really well, again, all of this depends on how the team is doing, obviously. Yeah. But if he's doing really well, are the Flyers going to want to sell high for him, right? So it's like he has to do very well, but then that could also get him traded, which I don't know, could be a good thing for him, may not be a good thing for him or the Flyers. Yeah, plus I have to look at his contract status. I didn't even look at it, whether he's got a, a no move or not. So that's a, you know, that's another potential factor. But um, but just from looking at it like, hey, would they ask him either way? Would they ask him for a trade to trade him uh, at the also break? It's, you know, at the trade deadline, rather, it's a possibility. So that's something where he could kill all that. If he wants to stay in Philly, he could stay in Philly. It's in, It's within his grasp, but he's going to have to do things he hasn't done in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, it'll be a fascinating year ahead for Travis Konechny for all of those reasons. Uh, We will keep track of that, obviously, as uh, camp starts. But uh, we will be getting to your mailbag questions coming up next. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find league reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball and all of the info leading up to next year's NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. They even cover combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet Online is your continued source for all your wagering information from live betting to scores and podcasts and more. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. So head to the Bet Online website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we got some good questions from our mm-hmm. listeners out there. So thank you for them. Um, Mario wants to know about Ryan Ellis. And did Ryan Ellis have to pass a physical before he's traded to the Flyers? And if he didn't, do you think the Predators knew about his condition while he was being traded? Well, everybody has to pass a physical. And look, this physical is not like everybody gets an automatic full body scan. You could see every little thing that's wrong with someone or what might be wrong with them in the future. You get whatever they've got, whatever they've done on him to date, right? So I think at that point, there was only um, a little bit of a question about his injury history. And when it was brought up, and I was on that call when it was brought up on the introductory call. He really bristled at it. And he said, well, listen, this hand injury that I think it was a hand injury, right? That was the more recent one. Right. You know, he, he just chalked it up to like bad luck or whatever. It has nothing to do with his other injuries. And he didn't want to talk about injuries. But, you know, it was brought up for a good reason because he had missed time at other times in his career. So I do. I think they they knew. No, I don't think Nashville knew. I just think Nashville knew they had to get out of his contract because they they were having cap problems. Yeah, I I think that's exactly spot on that everybody knew as much as they could at the time. But you could think in the back of your head, based on his injury history, that it was a risk. Yes. And 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 that's kind of where it was at that time. 
All right. This one comes from Matthew. What do you two think about the Flyers taking the route the Sixers did and purposely tanking for Connor Bedard? Well, again, they don't have a coach that wants to tank. I think if management went to him and asked him actively to tank, he would ignore the uh, the request. He is just going to coach it his way. If it burns to the ground, that's fine. But generally, towards his teams don't burn to the ground. So it'll struggle. There's definitely a, a factor of it struggling. And if you're in the top 10, you're going to get a percentage chance. But honestly, unless you're one of those, you know, bottom four teams, the odds of getting him are very, 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 very slim. So I don't think there's any benefit to try and tank for Bedard because, like, as an example, the Arizona Coyotes, I think their first 20 games are on the road this year. Based on what we saw from the Islanders, who are a very good team, what do we think we're going to see from the Coyotes until they play their first game on a collegiate campus? Do you think the Flyers could even match that ineptitude? I don't think so. So I think it's sort of, you know, they're up against that, if nothing else. Yeah, I think once they made the decision to hire John Tortorella, that was the end of the tank, right? right? So if it's an organizational-wide choice, like what the Sixers did with trusting the process, right? that... I'm uh, sick of that, by the way. Nobody should ever, ever, ever say that again. <laughs> it didn't work for the Sixers. It got them a great center, and, and, yeah. it got them, and it got them a forward that just basically... I don't know. He he didn't whine, but he just managed to get get out of town. And somehow they came to a settlement today. So they paid the Sixers paid him something for pay for not playing a single game for them last year. Like, don't ever say trust the process again because the process failed them. It did to a large degree, but I think if you're talking about a, a system wide, organizational wide decision, the Flyers already from jump said they weren't doing that when they hired right. John Tortorella. And I think that that's the point I was that's trying true. to make there. That's a good point. Sorry. I went on a rant. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think the, what the Sixers have done has been uh, an interesting study in strategy. <laughs> it sure has. All right. Next question. And this username on YouTube was Carter H. And I think I know uh -oh. what that refers to, but um what have you thought of Tyson Forrester skating? Uh, personally, I think it still needs work. Edges are a little rough and he has trouble when he has to stop and go. But I think he has been involved and the play is gradually getting better. Russ, what do you think of that assessment? No, I think there's some truth to that. I think um, there's been some slight gains in the last year or so. I think um, for the kind of role he plays, I don't think he has to be like an amazing skater. Because he just basically has to get down the ice and be either on the right side or the left side or somewhere around the net. Once he does that, I don't think the edge work or anything else matters. So it's just sort of like his straight line skating. And I think right now he's at a point where he can get in and around the net and, you know, and definitely could be, you know, help on the power play. We've seen that with his shot. So it'll continue to get better. I don't think you'll see it get much better, though. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think there's a certain level that you plateau at, but I think for what it seems like they want Tyson Forster to be able to do, I think you're you're right there that the kind of role he plays doesn't need you to be the greatest skater in the world. I just certainly hope he gets to a point where it's not a hindrance to him right. at the NHL level. And that's all you can really ask for, right? Mm-hmm. 
All right. Last question from John over on YouTube, who dug into a last summer's offseason press conference from Chuck Fletcher, uh, where he says that 2021 was the great recharge from Chuck Fletcher's mm-hmm. presser, uh, where we got Cam Atkinson, Risto, Thompson, and Jones. And then this year is an aggressive retool. Uh, with D'Angelo, Delorier, Braun, and Connaughton. And do you see a common theme of stagnant failure here? Yeah, I think the um, the hopes outweigh the gains. I, I think the cap has something to do with that. I think injuries have had something to do with that. And I think the lack of foresight has had something to do with that. I think all of those things are fair. I think when Chuck sort of changed the game plan midstream and said, well, you know, we're now we're just going to get better with 25 or under players. Yeah, that's great. But again, one of your 25 and under players, Owen Tippett, we're still not sure about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's not necessarily the right game plan either. It's just, he came up with a new one. That's all. And that's what GMs do. They just, they sort of, and, and they've done this in, in all sports. They just sort of, you know, if you're getting close to the goal line, they just move the goal line. And so that's that's where we're at. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I think stagnant is a really good word uh, that John uses. I'm not sure if stagnant failure is the right phrase overall, mm-hmm. just because I do think that 2021, what he did last offseason had the potential to work on paper in a way that what he did this offseason, I think clearly does not. And I think you can't really look at it on paper and say he made a step forward. But I think last summer you could at least say on paper, maybe he took us, the team would take a step forward. They didn't, but I think that's where the difference lies for me. Yeah. I mean, they've reshuffled deck chairs. You don't have Keith Yandel, you have Tony D'Angelo. Like you just, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're still relying on some guys getting healthy. But beyond that, there's not a lot where you say, all right, this team is markedly better. You, You can't say that yet. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Of course, we have Travis Konechny highlights from this past season, given our conversation on today's show. It's a a nice little highlight package. So think about the the good things that Travis Konechny did. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks again for listening. We're going to be back on Friday. We'll do a prospect profile on that show. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. We will answer your questions on the show. You can tweet us at LockdownFlyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com or leave us a comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day.